the school is out. Which means it's time for Hi Kids. What good music to start a show with? Good afternoon and welcome to the Hi Kids show. This is Hi Kids for Kids by Kids. My name is Rio Emmerman and I'm eight years old. So coming up on Hi Kids, I'm going to be speaking to Richard Lewis. He has fulfilled many careers in one lifetime. So listen, kids, don't go away. We have a very interesting show today. Also on the show, I have a tongue twister to challenge your mouth and a high kid riddle to challenge your brain. So stay tuned. You don't want to miss this kid's show. Here are the details if you have any questions for my guest or if you just want to say hi to your friends and family. The SMS number is 34519 and it's charged at 1 Rand 50. You can send me a telegram on 061-895-1019. And please don't forget to sign your name. You can also call us on 010-140-3020. I repeat, 010-140-3020. Get ready for a very interesting show on Hi Kids today. You're listening to Hi Kids on 101.9 Hi FM. This is Hi Kids for Kids by Kids. My name is Rio Emmerman and I'm eight years old. I have Richard Lewis with me in studio. So send your questions to 34519 or telegram to 061-895-1019. Good afternoon, Richard. Afternoon, Rio. Thanks for inviting me. Pleasure. You studied law and several degrees. What made you choose to study law? Oh, well, um, I grew up on a little farm, and uh, the only influence I had at the time was uh, my mom and dad and my grandmother, actually. And uh, through the family came an influence of music. My grandmother had been a very good musician, but also in our family were uh, lawyers. And so I had... Uh, the influence of both of them in my life. And in fact, I started studying formally with the Royal London College of Music. Um, but then later on, my father sat me down and he said to me, Richard, you know, growing up in South Africa at that time, there's not much money that's poured into cultural things. Um, so most of the interest is on rugby or soccer or whatever it is, but not much support for music. So why don't you study law? And um, make a profession of that. So that's what you did. Yeah, and uh, and that is why I've chosen music as a hobby because you said I would have been poor if I'd done music. <laughs> what advice can you give about studying? It's to focus. When I was a little chap, my mother said to me, "I said to my mother, um, I really don't want to go to school." And we had a very mature relationship. And she sat me down and she said, well, whether you like it or not, there are laws in the land that say that you will go to school. So and if you you're going to, to, to you school. have to go to school. But she said, if you go there, you've got a choice. You can sit there and waste time or you can sit and focus and learn. And knowing that you're my son and I think that you're an intelligent young man, I believe you'll make the correct choice and focus and listen carefully when you're at school. And you did that. I did that. That's the best advice I can give is focus. What was your first job? My first job was as a um, labor law advisor to the Natal Chamber of Industries where I helped um, companies to deal with the issues around um, employment, trade unions, dealing with staff, etc., etc. That kind of stuff. Yeah, that kind of stuff. 
What would be your dream job? I think my dream job is doing if, if what I've just started with a new company that I've opened uh, called Motion Media Productions, which is where we take good causes, uh, we link them with funders, and we link them up again with creative people so that we can grow their voice in the hearts and minds of people using video or um, augmented reality or anything that touches hearts predominantly on iPads or phones. Wow. It is. <laughs> I hope it works. What is the most important lesson you have learned in life? Uh, that's very, very much that. Whatever you put out, you will get back, whether it's to people, whether it's to animals, whether it's for this poor old earth. The way that we treat is how we will be treated back in time. How do you do that? How do you do it? I think uh, you've got to. I think you've got to think before you act or speak, and know that the moment that something comes out of your mouth or you do something, it's only time before it comes back to you, and that makes you start thinking about what it is that you do or say, and uh, until it becomes a habit, and that habit can certainly grow, and it's nice to know that what you're putting out is good and not bad. I think. I've heard a lot of stories in Jewish studies about what you give out, like, yeah, what you give out, you will get bad. Like, if you say bad words, then it's very hard to um, turn them around, make them nice words, and say sorry. Absolutely, and if we understand that people will think of us and remember us and accept us for the experience that they have of us, then you jolly, you, you make sure that uh, what you put out is good and positive and uplifting and sensible um, because that's how people will see you. And why would people want to open their doors to you if you're, ba if you're a bad experience? That's a good piece of advice. Thank you. <laughs> what is your favorite book? Oh, my favorite book uh, was given to me by a very good friend, um, and it's titled The New Earth by a German philosopher called Eckhart Tolle. And it really is all about that all of us and everything is connected in one way or the other. And that is why we have to respect everything because um, there's a part of us and a part of them in everything. And I think that's what comes back to that habit of mine of um, what we put out there will come back. It's like a ripple or a boomerang, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. What is your favorite wildlife animal? That has got to be elephants, I think. I love the way elephants make me think of what we could be like if we were all great human beings. They look after each other. They protect each other. They're soulful animals. They're gentle animals. They aren't, they aren't cruel to others. Um, I think they've got a wonderful – I think they have a lot of qualities that we as human beings – could aspire to. I love elephants. So they're basically like human beings except the opposite. Yes, they're better. <laughs> That's what I mean. Do you have any pets? Yes, I have had for the past uh, nearly 11 years, I've had two golden cocker spaniels that really what are... What are their names? Chantal, she's a slightly older one, and Cecile is slightly younger, but they're not related, although they look alike. And they really have, again, been 
better to me than I think many, many human beings have been because of the just the love and adoration and forgiveness that they give a person and the companionship. And then recently we got a um, miniature chihuahua. If you think chihuahuas are small, you should see a miniature chihuahua. Holy moly. I didn't even know there was such thing. Yeah, neither did I until it arrived in my life. <laughs> but, uh, but I must say he's... Uh, How small? He's very... He's about, uh, I'd imagine, five inches high. But uh, he's full of nonsense, thinks, <laughs> thinks he's the biggest chap on earth, and um, very intelligent. But I feel sorry for him because he spends his whole life looking upwards at everything. You know, I'd imagine my neck muscles are a bit tired. Like yes, this. like that, looking up at the ceiling. <laughs> because he's so It gets small. tiring. <laughs> yeah, and stairs and things like that are a problem for him because they really like when are you, big. When you're feeding him his food and it's on the, it's on the table, it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I suppose a lot of what we're doing a bit higher up is he's wondering about it. You are an ambassador for WESA. Can you tell us what about what that involves? Rio WESA stands for the Wildlife and Environment Society of South Africa, and it's one of the um, oldest and largest environmental and uh, conservation membership-based organisations um, on this continent, actually. And I sat on a board, uh, on its board as director for 14 years, six as vice chairman, the last seven as chairman. And what we do is, um, we try and do high impact products, uh, projects that, uh, convince people to participate in caring for the earth. And so when I left eventually as chair, then they asked if I would be an ambassador for them because WESA and what it stands for is very, very, very deep in my heart. And, and important to the world? Very important to the world. I've often said to them, we're not, we need to understand, those of us that care for the earth, that it's a deadly, deadly serious business. And I think the world's beginning to realize the deep trouble that we're in and that more and more of us need to, in our own little ways, start doing what we can to care for it. It's kind of like what my dad does. Uh, and what, what's around the solar energy? Yeah. Yes, I think that the sooner we can move to solar energy and wind, uh, the wind-driven energy and, and all the alternative and renewables, the Renew better because, energy. yes, because um, I think the days of coal-driven energy absolutely have to be a thing of the past I as soon so as possible. As well. Yeah. What do you hate about what you do professionally? Sometimes I deal, I usually deal with People that head up organizations, CEOs and chairmen and directors and that. And I think the thing that hates me most is that instead of acting in the best interests of the company, you sometimes come across people that uh, whose egos are more important uh, than, that, what, than what they're doing for the company. And so what I hate is the time it spends trying to get through people that are full of pride and ego. Um, and getting them to understand um, that there's more and definitely more honorable things in life than um, their ego. So I, I can't stand very strong egos in people, especially when it's based around what what great guys they are and what they do and this and that. And um, and that's all everything, they can really mm, like that. Conversations all about me, if you know what I mean. And it yeah, gets rather boring. Mm. And I often wonder what sort of examples they set for their staff. 
because it's obviously not a very attractive thing, a trait to have. No. What do you love about what you do? All the people that I meet and the opportunity to to help them see what's good about them. I have a, a, a very close lady friend who who has a WhatsApp status that says, see the light in people and then treat them as though that's all you see. And I think it's a very, very beautiful statement because... Yeah, I think it's nice. To unlock, to unlock the potential in people and get them to understand that it's only if you truly feel good about yourself that you can do more for others better is um, something I love doing. Releasing their potential is what I love doing. It's kind of like what I do in shows. I'm like, Mom, if I get in, the most amazing thing about the show is making all the new friends. And I love making friends almost as much as I love books, which is quite a lot. And I think there's a lesson in what you've just said. Um, If you want to receive kindness, you need to be kindly. If you want to um, have friends, you need to be friendly to them. And uh, I think there's a strong lesson in life there. So well done on you for that. Tell us about your years working as a labor law specialist. Yes, well, that I did for many, many years. Um, That's my first job, as I said, and um, I did it for for well over 20 years. Um, It's a long time. (laughs) It's a long time. Um, you know, it's full of conflict because um, I was I was representing uh, companies, and they usually pick up the phone when it's when something's gone wrong, that there's a problem between their and their, their workers or their staff, or there's somebody that's doing something wrong, or they think somebody's doing something wrong, and you have to go into to hold disciplinary inquiries and things like that. And so, it was a very conflict-riddled, um, ridden. Uh, uh, way of life and I didn't really like it from the beginning because it's based really on the concept of I win you lose in other words your client wins or your the company wins and the other side has to lose that's what people are paying you for and I think that you don't like that no do I'm you? very much a win-win person I love the concept of both parties trying to find um, a, a better way a winning way that's what I try to do. I try to make both people win instead of just one person winning. Yes, because like otherwise... If someone's in a race and they tie, I get really happy. I'm like, phew, there's no argument. It <laughs> <laughs> doesn't happen often, but I'd imagine yes. So, yeah, that's, that, that, was, that was about... Yeah, I eventually decided, based on my own values, that I needed to um, get into a win-win uh, lifestyle and stop the I when you lose profession. What is your passion in life? Definitely definitely getting to know people and and seeing the good in them and trying to bring that out in them. Because um, this world throws so many things at people that make them not feel good about themselves or it fills them with fear or dread or they feel they have they're not achieving or whatever it is. But inside everybody, there is um, there is a hero in some way, and I like to find that and remind them of it. That's kind of what I do in my life, even though I don't really realize it sometimes. Well, the nice thing about not realizing it is means it's um, it's become habit for you, and that's that's where the powerful. You don't even have to think about it; 
you just look for the best in people. So and that's my passion. You, thank you for telling me. <laughs> I know it's a habit. Yay. There we go. Has anything embarrassing ever happened to you? Oh, so many embarrassing things have happened to me, but I think the most embarrassing in a huge crowd was when I was a young chap. I had a, I was a very good soprano singer and, um, I won a colossal national competition and they put all the prize winners together for a, a prize winners concert. And I went out to go and sing as this very high voiced soprano and, um, sang the first verse beautifully. And whilst the piano played the little uh, interlude in between, as I started the second verse, I was no longer a soprano. I was a baritone. My <laughs> voice had broken in between, and I was croaking all over the place. And That's so strange. I had to stop, and my teacher came out to say, well, one of our fine sopranos is now a rather poor baritone. <laughs> <laughs> it was very embarrassing. And I was heartbroken because okay. I loved my voice. Um, I watched this, I watched this, um, thing called The Voice Kids on TV. There was like a competition between these kids and there was semi-finals and there was this one boy. I think it was a, he had a German accent. I think he was German and he sang, uh, opera and he was really good at it. Oh, what? Singing is a wonderful thing because it's such a physical uh, feeling, you know. It's it's very pleasurable, and of course, as a as a youngster, I was so proud of my voice, and for it to have it removed from me in between verses in front of five thousand people you, was. You, you didn't tell me how many people you said. Now you say five thousand. That must have been <laughs> embarrassing. Yeah, it was the Devon City Hall. Was that Hall. exactly the number? Or did they, did they count it? Well, I think that's its capacity at the time. Um, I was just very fortunate that we don't have things such, we didn't have things such as cell phones and social media in those days because I suppose somebody would have put it up on YouTube <laughs> or on Facebook before I knew it. So at least there isn't a visual memory of it. My friend Demi was in the Sound of Music in, in the Monte Cassino Theatre and she I auditioned, but I didn't get in. She got in, and the, when she was doing this one act, marching down the, she was marching down the stairs. Her dress got caught on one of the knobs on the stairs, and they saw her running down afterwards. But it was good because they thought Gretel's clumsy, so she would do that. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I think that's probably. Yeah, it must be up there, I suppose. Probably looked natural to the people, but mine certainly didn't sound natural <laughs> yeah. to the people. You're listening to Hi Kids on 101.9 High FM. This is Hi Kids, for Kids, by Kids. My name is Rio Emmerman and I'm eight years old. Now let's carry on with our questions with Richard. If you could have dinner with someone dead or alive, fictional or non-fictional, who would it be and why? I would love, love to have a dinner with um, Dr. Stephen Covey. He's the late Dr. Stephen Covey, but he wrote the beautiful book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, simply because when I was exposed to the teachings in it, um, The Seven Habits, in 1994, it literally changed my life for the better. What are the seven habits? Oh, no. The, the first one is be proactive. In other words, that you can you can make the choices for your life. You don't have to let this world make them for you. Okay. 
Secondly, when you know that you can make a choice, your first choice should be, um, where is it that you, what is it that you want your life to be? In other words, you begin with the end in mind. And when you know what it is you want to be or to achieve, then the next choice after that, habit three, is that you put first things first. And by that he means that you learn what are the important things you need to do to get you ahead towards your vision. Otherwise, you're going to find that life will throw all its clutter at you and you don't get around to doing the important things. Then he says, then you must think win-win, which is that um, there's a great celebration and power in diversity. In other you words... Think, you think about stuff and then you... And then both, if you think, if you think very hard, then both, then two people can win. Absolutely. Because your way, the way you see the world and the way I see the world, um, are both real to us. But if we put together the way we see the the world, we can come up with a better way of seeing something. And then after that, then we listen carefully. We, we try and listen to each other carefully. And then we decide to synergize. Because if people synergize, one plus one doesn't equal two. One plus one can equal three or eight hundred or two hundred thousand. It's, it's the power of synergy. And lastly, he says, lead a balanced lifestyle. Grow your mind, grow your heart, look after your body, and do things that are bigger than yourself for the world. And those are his seven habits. And they're wonderful habits to have, in my opinion. So I'd love to talk to him about it if he was still alive. Yeah. How can we stop polluting the earth? Well, it really does. Man has created the problem, and I think only man can solve it. So it starts with um, people being made aware of of what they're doing. doing. Then they have to want to change what they're doing, and then they have to have the knowledge and the ability to change. I think all of those are possible. It's just that most people continue in. They don't care. They don't care. They just don't care. And they they take more than they need. Most people don't. Most people um, don't care, and some people, like you and me, care about what's happening to the world. I would agree with that, and we've got to make more people care, and then make that caring go into action. I'll try try that. How is pollution and plastic destroying the earth? Right, well, can I probably say that it's not really them destroying the earth, it's man that's that's doing the polluting, it's man that's man throwing the plastic. The cows, yes. Well, what is it doing? What is man doing by throwing plastic and stuff? Well, destroying... Paper's fine. I mean, paper's fine because it's cut from wood and it's probably biodegradable. Um, ninety percent biodegradable, but um, plastic—I don't think it is because oil is a bad thing. Yeah, the thing is, plastic is in so many things, and it's used responsibly by so many people. But it's really what people then do with the plastic when they're finished with it, which creates all the incredible damage. And I mean, I think we've just heard now there's micro. Chips of plastic in the water here in Gauteng. And then it's killing the turtles. I think it's killing all. It's going to be killing all of us. And uh, so, yeah. So your question was, how is it uh, destroying the earth? It's yeah. it's severely destroying the earth to such a point that um, we're probably soon not going to have 
healthy fish to eat. We're not going to have healthy water to also drink. Also because of global warming. All sorts of things. So, so man is ter- doing a terrible job of caring for this earth. And in fact, he's destroying yeah. it. Um, I read a book, um, one of the Molly Moons called Molly Moon Morphing Mystery, and it was about, kind of about nature. And it said at the back how you can stop polluting the world. And one of the things said stop using plastic and recycle more. Recycling is definitely the way to go. It's ridiculous that we create, we keep also, creating also, more things. They also, um, make now, um, almost, uh, almost biodegradable plastic bottles, I think. They're making that now. We yeah, I really do think that, um, there is a strong, there is, a, there is increased awareness in the world. I think a lot of it's now driven by the fear of knowing that things are going very bad. Yeah. Hopefully that fear or the knowledge or both will make people change the way they behave. Hopefully both. Hopefully both. Strongly so. What do scientists predict will happen in 2,000 years' time if we keep going the way we are? Oh, 2,000 years, I'm not quite sure there will be any of us on Earth. No. If there's we'll any, all be on Mars. If there's any human existence, we'll it's going to be... We'll be living on Mars with all the Martians. Or many other planets. I think, I think that we will be... Um, We'll be half computer, half human. We'll be flying here, there, and everywhere. And um, I just hope to goodness that whichever planets that we land on don't have the same experience of man that poor old Earth has had. Hopefully. I think Mars might have had that experience once because there's still water on Mars. Yes, and nothing else. Nothing else. (laughs) Nothing else. We hope. Where did your love for classical music start? Oh, that started when I was a little boy. When, uh, on the I fa- like classical music now. Good. It's very good for you because it's disciplined. It's, it's very mathematical in a way. It's sequential. It's, I play it's piano. good for you. Do you? Yeah. Oh, good. Well, then that's something you and I've really got in common. You play piano as well now. Yes, I used to. I used to be a good pianist and a, uh, as well as a, a singer. Yeah, we heard. <laughs> we heard earlier. Yeah, but my grandmother taught me the love of music. My grandfather is now teaching, my grandmother and my grandfather are teaching me the love of classical music now. And my mom, she's an actress, so she's teaching me how, techniques for acting and breathing and singing and stuff like that. And they're all very linked. Yeah. Can you speak Italian because of all the operas and stuff? No, I can't. I know I look a bit Italian. And when I'm, when I'm in Italy, every, all the tourists ask me for directions. But, um, now I speak some German because I lived quite a few years in Germany and, uh, I studied, I studied there as well. And, uh, a lot of the music that I sang was what they call German Lieder, which, um, is all in German. So, yes, some German, but no Italian other than the basics. Yeah. You seem to have achieved so many different things. Can you tell us your secret? I think it's, if you're going to do something, do it properly. Focus on it, know exactly what it is, and have the discipline to stick at it. And try, and try, and try, yes. and try. And, and we all know the saying, if at first we don't succeed, then we'll try, try again. again. <laughs> That's it. What are your current jobs? 
Um, four main ones, actually. I'm a strategist. I help companies to formulate their strategies. Um, I'm also um, an environmental um, entrepreneur. I'm a social entrepreneur. And um, I still do bits of the dreaded labor law now and then when I have mm. to. So those are the four primary uh, things that I do to, to pass my day professionally. What has been your best career so far? I think it's been um, what I'm doing now, and that is um, with motion media productions and with the Artisan Training Institute and Foundation. It's raising funds for the development of the youth, and it's raising funds for caring for the earth. And if I can bring so the two together. the one that you told us about earlier. Yeah, and uh, what I'm trying to do is bring the two together so that if I can get the youth in work, which is caring for the earth in the green economy, then I'll be a happy man. Okay. You collect classic cars. What is your favorite car in your collection and why? Well, um, I've got two, two lovely old Mercedes Benzes and I've got a lovely old Jaguar, but my favorite is a 1961 Bentley Series 2. And simply because when I was a little boy, the first time I saw it, and it was obviously new at that time, um, I thought to myself, I would love to have one of those one day. And, you know, people talk about a vision board. Um, when I was in my late teens, I took a photograph of one of them, and I put it on my vision board, and um, I ended up owning one. I love the way it looks. I love the way it's finished. I love the way it's engineered. And then you started collecting. Yeah, and that I started inspired you. Start collecting And they're good investments You know, people think I just get them to have fun with They're not They're very, very good fun investments They go up in value every year Which is a good thing Wow You used to be a serious yachtsman What lessons did you learn from this? That you have to work as a team You get on that yacht And you don't do teamwork Then things can go badly wrong And the sea is not gentle with you If you do something wrong out at sea so teamwork is vital did being a competitive swimmer help your career and how if it did it did because you know swimming strangely enough is a very lonely sport it's not as though you're running around tackling people and this and that (laughs) You, you put your earplugs in and your cap on and you dive into your lane and you literally swim for hours all by yourself and um and practice so you you learn to think about things carefully when you're swimming i thought about life and i thought about what i was doing right and not right etc i'd rather swim in the sea than in a pool because i love swimming in the sea because it's natural i feel natural there yes well if i knew then what i knew now i mean all the time that i spent in chlorine couldn't have been good for me (laughs) (laughs) and i'm sure my lungs possibly aren't good for it but, yeah, it taught me to deal with my own company, and it taught me the discipline of perseverance. What advice would you give to our younger listeners and how to succeed in life? I think uh, to know what you want, um, to always understand that, that the basis of a fine quality human being is to respect others and, and do to them as you would like to be treated. And lastly, but most importantly, to live a balanced life. Grow your mind, um, look after your loved ones, look after your body, otherwise where are you going to live? And then lastly, do something 
That is for the greater good. And Stephen Covey called that live, learn, love, and leave a legacy. This is a question from me. Um, do you know about Greek mythology? Just asking. Um, I suppose as much or as little as um, most people. <laughs> I learned that from my uncle. He's an expert on Greek mythology. Yes. I learned a lot of Greek mythology from my uncle. And my great uncle. And what have you taken from from Greek mythology? Percy Jackson books, and I read a lot of them now. I get I get a lot of Percy Jackson books, and it helps me to understand them better. Well, of course, there's so much of the origins of the great philosophies of life have come from that time, and I think uh, many of the lessons that we that we know um, existed are even mathematics. Uh, a whole lot of it comes from that time. So you've got to take your hat off to them considering they yeah. lived thousands of years ago. Thank you for coming on Chai Kids and teaching us more about the awesome work you do. It's my absolute pleasure. Thank you for inviting me and keep up your good work. Thank you. Thank you. This has been Chai Kids for Kids by Kids. My name is Rio Immerman and I'm eight years old. Thank you to my guest, Richard, for coming on Hi Kids, and thank you to my producer, Mandy, and Craig, for pushing the big red buttons. Join us tomorrow for another Hi Kids show. Goodbye, kids.